and welcome everyone. Kumusta? Aloha. And welcome to another brand new season for Kasamahan Ko. Today, I am really delighted to have this guest that I met through the Pamantasan Conference. And it was actually my very first time actually being able to attend the conference. Um, even though it was virtually, I've gained so much from it. Um, information and also newfound community and with that said um this guest that i have um actually joined our session that uh, me and patrick Lua, um did um for this presentation slash workshop when we had one of the breakout sessions or not breakout session um i can say was uh, the kind of like the it's like an interview style type of dialogue. Um, when I heard their story, I was really moved and I really had to have to share their story as well on the podcast because I think it's important to include everyone's narrative. With that said, I will be introducing um, this podcast guest for this season, um, Jacob Haoli Ikaika. Uukela Lorenzo Ilark. He is an instructor of the Hawaiian language at Honolulu Community College. And I would like for our guests to tell us a little bit about who he is and if he can describe himself in a food, which is respectively in his culture, um, describing his personality. Yes, aloha mai, aloha kako. Mahalo nui Chachi for, for having me. Oh God, there's so many things that, that um, we can talk about that I want to talk about. And, you know, I just want to mahalo you again for having me here. Um, that was my first um, Pomatasan as well. And it was really awesome to see and feel community, right? Um, and really hear the stories of our people, of our Filipino people, uh, and their stories of survivance, right? And their stories of, um, uh, of overcoming and success, and all of these, uh, um, uh, even the, to the trials and tribulations in which we as a people experience in Hawaii, right? Um, so mahalo nui for, for, that, for that time, that space. And it was really awesome to connect with people like yourself doing amazing things in our community. Um, so I guess I, I can, um, you know, um, so my name, my, uh, mahalo nui for also doing, saying my full name right I, I, a lot of people really struggle with my full name they get really like scared and intimidated so i really appreciate you saying my my, my entire name um i usually will um go by Hauoli, uh, or sometimes often um, my students will call me kumu which means teacher um in hawaiian um so i come from waimea on hawaii island and this is the best waimea of all the waimeas right you know there's a waimea here there's a on oahu there's a waimea uh, on Kauai, but Waimea Hawaii Island is the best one. Um, do not get confused about that one. Um, let's see. Um, I, however, I currently live in Waialua on Oahu. Um, well, and I, and this, I, lo- I love this area as well. Um, this is the area of my, my, my husband's land. Um, so particularly answering that question about the food, oh my gosh, there's so much things. Um, but I recently... Um, Maybe not recently. I would say maybe in the past seven years or something, I had this really amazing dessert. Um, and it was the dessert that like really summed up who I am as a person. Um, and this dessert was a, uh, a kulolo lumpia um, that had haupia sauce on it. And so uh, I think we all know what a lumpia is, right? We all know that, um, you know, that is our, uh, one of our most favorite types of food um, on an international level that, that you know, the, the, that Filipinos have contributed to culinary. Um, but this uh, lumpia, um, kulolo, is, uh, so I don't know if you know what kulolo is. Have you heard of kulolo? So kulolo is a Hawaiian um, sort of dessert. It has... Um, cooked taro in it with coconut and sometimes sugar or honey and it's oftentimes steamed in the in the emu um uh, or other people will put it in, you know on the on the stove or oven or whatnot there's different methods but 
Uh, it's 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 very very good dessert. So what it is is it's a slice of the kulolo, wrapped in lau, uh, the the lumpia wrapper, deep fried, and then haupia, which is a, a coconut um, sort of jello, right? It's made into a sauce, and it was um, it was drizzled right on top. And I remember looking at it and eating and experiencing it and thinking, you know, this is exactly who I am—a mix of uh, of a Filipino. And, and Hawaiian. And let me tell you, it was delicious. So I guess that would be a really good sort of kind of way to describe who I am in a, in a, in a food. Um, I've never tried, had it since. I can't find where this place that sells it. It was at a, um, you know, like a, one of those Friday markets where all the food trucks come uh, in Kaka'ako. Um, but if you ever find it, try it and then let me know. <laughs> let me know where you can find it again. But Kulolo Lumpia. Actually, I wanted to see, because I'm a very much visual person. So I had to um, Google the e- image itself. And, and I'm, I'm so glad I spelled it correctly. <laughs> but um, the, the, by the description that you were giving, and I was like looking at the picture, it tastes visually pleasing. And I think like what you mentioned, especially with your background itself, being Filipino and Hawaiian, I think... Um, as we dive into your your story, it kind of this food itself pictures who you are and your story and your narrative and like as you reflect um, on our Filipino identity and of course your Hawaiian Filipino identity. Right, right. And, you know that's important because it, it's not just a single identity that I possess. Right, it's it's multiple, and I I, I always think about how um, there's a, there's this saying. Right, that that kind of goes along the lines that uh, that we are the total sum of all of our ancestors, right? And so, um, you know, in that I recognize that you know my my ancestors came from all over, um, and I'm here because of them, right? So that this identity that I have is a is is a mix, just like that lump that that kulolohopia, right? It's a mix of different cultures, and it's amazing. It tastes good. Right, and it's something to share. Uh, I know. Um, in the general disclaimer of the podcast, um, there'll be my family's coming in and out, so <laughs> just wanted to um, put it out there. And that's so Filipino, you know. That's so Filipino. <laughs> Having family are always, you know, so not a problem. I get it. Totally get it. Sometimes I will have, you know, my tutu or not pop her head in, and I'm in the middle of class asking me if I'm available to help her. So no, no worries. With that to transition along, um, I wanted to first and foremost ask, actually, how was your upbringing like growing up in a, in a multi-generational household, um, especially being a Filipino? Uh, this is a good question. Um, so I think maybe I should preface that I have... Filipino from both my sides, from both my mom's and my father's side. So uh, my mom's side, um, so I would that would make me the third generation. So my grandparents on my mom's side uh, first came here um, to Hawaii. Um, so my uh, my mother's side, um, my my papa came to uh, from the Philippines to Hawaii to work um, on the ranch uh, with Parker Ranch. Um, and so my, and then my grandma came afterwards. And so they've been raising, um, you know, they were raising their family in Waimea. Um, and that's where they made their home. So my mom was born here in Hawaii. Um, and so uh, I'm the third generation on that side. My father's side, uh, it's a little bit deeper, actually, that uh, my Filipino side have been, has been here for a while. Uh, I would say four, I'm the fourth or fifth, maybe even sixth Filipino generation from my father's side. And so, you know, I, and from hearing stories and talking to my pupuna about my grandparents about that side on my father's side, right? Um, they would tell me things like, um, you know, your, your, your Filipino grandfather who lived here, she, he married a pure Hawaiian woman and he also spoke Hawaiian, you know? Um, and so, he, I mean, he, you know, he, he had some sort of fluency with it, right? He understood culture. And I think, you know, being a Filipino helped him understand the Hawaiian culture a little bit more. Um, and so, I, you know, when I think about that, I think that's pretty amazing that, you know, my, my, I have um, this sort of uh, long history of, of Filipino and Hawaiian um, sort of mixing, right? 
And so um, how that sort of relates to my upbringing is, you know, um, I mainly grew up on my mom's side of the family. Um, and so my mom's side of the family, again, is the, um, the, uh, the, 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 I would say, you know, they're mostly Filipino, right? My, gra- my grandparents on that side, my mom's side would say, oh, yeah, we have a little bit of Spanish mixed in as, you know, most Filipinos, I think, might have, right? Um, but growing up on that side, um, I always kind of, I, I, I always knew that I was Filipino and I, was, I always knew that I was Hawaiian. And I was always raised in, um, in understanding that, that experience of culture, right? And so even my mom, my mom, who is um, not ethnically Hawaiian, um, she danced hula for her, her entire life. And it was actually my mom um, that I like to attribute to um, the reason why I fell in love with the language, with Hawaiian language, is because of her love of hula. Um, however, growing up, um, you know, we were also um, an American Filipino family, you know, and I use that term American very loosely, right, especially in the context of Hawaii. So, you know, we would do a lot of like American things, you know, with the types of foods that we would eat at home. Um, you know, like with um, Filipino food was always around. And I think that's the reason why growing up, I didn't really love Filipino food because it was always around. Uh, but now that I'm away from home, you know, I miss it. Um, I Another thing, uh, you know, on the idea of language is that we were actually not able, um, we're kind of forbidden to learn the language. Right. And so um, I was told stories that growing up, like my grandparents would talk to me in Filipino, my auntie would talk to me in Filipino, and I had some sort of understanding of it. But I think it came to a point in time where um, we're actually not allowed to speak Filipino. And there are multiple reasons why. And so um, myself and my sibling do not speak Filipino. And so my, my grandma, it's funny, my grandma, so because of that, my grandma thinks that we don't understand, that I don't understand right but um so often you know and you know how filipinos grandmas go right they like to talk about their grandchildren specifically like they you know they either like to tease them or they like to brag about them right and so um i could hear i would i remember i always um which is i know exactly when she's talking about me because i can understand you know parts of it you know um and so things like that and you know the the filipino channel for us was always on tv and so we, you know, I picked up Tagalog and Ilocano, uh, but I can't speak it. How that relates again to my experience is that I was always comfortable with who I was as a, a multi-ethnic ethnic, um, person living in, in Hawaii, right? Which is, again, quote-unquote, the so-called uh, 50th state of, of Hawaii. Um, but, you know, I think it's just um, that experience really had made, has made me uh, comfortable with being uh, and, and prideful with being um, Filipino. Hawaiian. I see so much like inter interwovenness, um, especially with your upbringing, and um, and I think as you continue to share about both sides of the family, um, especially growing up more in your your mother's side, um, and sharing that you were not allowed to learn the language. And then similarly, in, in the Hawaiian culture, they were also forbidden to speak Hawaiian on that end of their, um, in, the, in that culture as well. And I think just hearing your upbringing for both kind of like looks into, looks a little more deeper with have gone through. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, and so... Um, Right. As I mentioned, you know, understanding and living in in a a household that, you know, is is bilingual, that uh, is multicultural, has really made me understand the different circumstances and the different contexts of learning more about my Hawaiian side. Right. Because, um, as I said, you know, I mean, you know, my my mom was a hula dancer for uh, most of her life, I think since like three years old, but I didn't have um, I didn't live in a house where it was, um, you know, um, had that deep sort of practice of what Hawaiian culture is. That was my father's side. 
And it wasn't until I, I went to Kamehameha um, and Hawaii Island that I started to learn those different types of things. And, you know, I learned things like um, that, that, that our, our language, uh, that, our, you know, we weren't able to, our, the reason why I don't speak Hawaiian is because it was banned, right? And, um, you know, I learned that, um, that my great-grandma, who uh, was living at that time, and she, you know, she passed away at, in 2014, that her first language was Hawaiian. And hearing those stories from her and her saying, you know, the reason why she didn't teach Hawaiian and things like that really made me understand a little bit more of the context about why I wasn't able to also learn Filipino, right? And so seeing those sort of interconnectedness, those, those similar reasons, um, those similar uh, uh, identities of, of what a Filipino and Hawaiian makes, you know, I think oftentimes we look at that as, as different Right. A lot of people like to say Filipino is an Asian culture. And, you know, I really disagree with that. Right. Uh, not only do, do our stories tell us the same, but the um, the way that we live our lives, the language, the, the, the people, the, the way that we care for each other. Right. It's very Pacific. Right. It's very Oceania, the way in which, um, the, um, you know, Filipinos do things. I mean, I mean, I can go on and on and on about this, about how Hawaiians and Filipinos are, are more alike than not. But, um, but you know, living in, the, in this sort of household and understanding those two sides has really made me, really created that firm foundation for me. Kalamai, there's also, you know, just as you said, there's family that is going, is going in and out. There's wild chickens in this area. Um, so you can hear them going on in the background. That when I was hearing the rooster on the background, it kind of feels more like personable, and I, I and I love that. That it, it's it comforting. Creates, yeah, it's comforting. <laughs> right, because it makes it. Yeah, no, exactly. Right. So I, I even at my uh, so um at at our home in Waimea, um my grandparents also raised chickens. Right, they have. Uh, they I mean, they, my grandparents has taught me a lot of things about uh, taking care of the aina, right? Taking care of the land. My Filipino side, this is right. So the land is the land. My grandparents were, they they have probably one of the most beautiful gardens, I would say in Waimea, and it's all because of my grandma. Right, she takes pride in taking care of the land. Um, in the back, we have a garden. Right. Um, when I was younger, they used to have um, chickens and that's how we ha- got our eggs, you know, and things like that. And um, there's this le- I, I always love this that I, I can just go to um, Sorry, short story. Uh, when I first moved to Oahu, I thought it was so strange that you had to go to the store to buy lemons. Right. <laughs> or green onion. And so <clears throat> I thought that was strange because we would plant those things. You know, if I needed green onion, I would just go outside and cut some. Or if I want lemon or to make lemon juice or whatever, right, I would just go outside and grab lemon. And it's really because of my grandparents' care of, of the land. And so we have lemon trees at, at our home that are probably 50 years old. And they produce the juiciest, sweetest lemons I've ever had. But yeah, so anyway, the chickens remind me of, of that. Except for, you know, at 4 o'clock in the morning when they decide they want to go off. And this goes goes along with the conversation is that um, especially with I think um, kind of adding on I remember I interviewed someone who also was from the Big Island and when they moved to Oahu for college uh, it was very kind of like I guess a culture shock being here because being from Big Island like you grew like everything is provided for you it's everything is grown so i think that was actually a really um, important thing to bring up yeah absolutely absolutely and for a while i had this sort of i can't think of the english word of it but in in hawaiian we say kue which is sort of this sort of idea of resistance and i had this idea of i had this sort of resistance like i don't want to go buy lemons like that's stupid why i gotta go pay for why i gotta pay 59 cents for a lemon when we should be growing our own yeah you know when i had those at an abundant supply of these for free you know this is something that you know my grandparents would be really upset if they heard this so i'm just i'm just gonna say this but i remember growing up um sometimes we, we would um we had so much that we would often just throw them at each other <laughs> you know 
throw them at, you know as, as siblings playing and throwing tangerines and lemons at each other you know which you're not supposed to do you're supposed to use them right not use them as 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 weapons but uh but that just you know thinking about um that experience of having an experience of abundance now we got to go pay 59 cents for them how we see the other the neighbor islands in oahu like how different it is great absolutely Absolutely. And I think it's important to kind of con- continue along with um, this part is actually how did you see yourself with your own cultural identity um, before and now? So, you know, that's a good one. You know, as I said, you know, I, I, I mainly grew up on with my Filipino side. So I, uh, I had this very firm affirmation and very firm pride of being Filipino, you know, and I would hear, growing up, I would hear stories um, like, you know, you know, Filipinos, they used to be, what is a good word for it? You know, that they were very much looked down upon when they first got here, right? And, you know, and I never understood that because when I looked at the Filipinos that, that I was around, you know, they, they were super, they were, they're, they're very hard work. Everything that um, my grandparents have, right? They work hard for it. And all of the other Filipinos that are in my life, right? Everything that they had, they worked so hard for it, right? So grandparents on my mom's side, right? They ha- they own two houses, right? And my grandma was telling me how she wanted to buy two more. And, you know, they're, they're basically almost paid off. And she said she did it because she wanted to make sure that her kids and her grandkids have a place to live. And so, for me, when people would say those types of things about, oh, you know, uh, they, they would talk down about Filipinos. I, I never understood that because of this sort of how passionate they were for, for work and their family. My grandma does not stop working. She does not. like She is always in the garden. She's cooking. She's, and she's, 70, she's in her 70s, right? And that, that sort of passion and love and that, 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 that activeness is what is so inspiring to me. So anyway, you know, because of them, right, I've always been proud of who I am as a Filipino, right? I never, ever hit it. I never tried to be anything that I wasn't. You know, I never tried to be more American because of that. And in fact, when I went to Kamehameha, I remember, um, you know, my, my um, uh, uh, one of my really uh, cl- close uh, group of friends were um, definitely part Filipino, right? Part Filipino, part Hawaiian. Um, and jokingly, uh, we were once called uh, the, the Pinoys, right? Because we were, you know, we, we embraced that sort of identity of being both Filipino and Hawaiian. And so I remember doing a lot of the things that I did. I remember writing a slam poem that talked about Filipino, um, my Filipino identity. And I was always that Filipino Hawaiian, right? In that Filipino Hawaiian group. And my, um, so I had this really firm affirmation about that knowing that I was Filipino right really made me feel it really made me embrace my Hawaiian side a lot more however now looking today 2021 where I'm a instructor of Hawaiian language feel like I kind of embrace not necessarily embrace my Hawaiian side more but I'm more in tune to it I I know more about it right that now it's sort of a I you know I grew up knowing more about my Filipino side but that Filipino side allowed me access to learn more about my Hawaiian side and now that I I, I, now I know so much more about my Hawaiian side than I do my Filipino side so I guess I I, in terms of that um you know I, I I think that's probably answering your question but um I mean you know does it um I, I I just really I think it, um, it's more of an affirmation of who I am as a multi-ethnic person. <laughs> it really helps. <laughs> it really helps so much, and I think that's the beauty with like reflecting of where we came from. Um, it really helps us create this kind of um, acknowledging that this is who we once were, and now what we do now, what we do, what we're doing now. Um, it's an indication that it's something then it's an indication of something good to come. Um, like for you sharing your story, um, being Filipino and Hawaiian and like be and also be an instructor um, to your students, it's making an impact that whoever um, you meet, it creates this um, sort of this chain. Great. And you know, I wanna mention something here at this point. Um, because 
Uh, you know, and I, I and I I've said this before in this conversation already that you know there are so many similarities between uh, Filipinos and, and Hawaiians, and one of the amazing, one of the uh, really awesome things that I le- I heard at uh, the Pamatasan is that um, that Filipinos are is a marginalized community living in a marginalized community, and you know that made me think like, oh my god, that is that that is so true, right? Um, and you know, as someone that identifies as both. I'm like marginal, marginalized. Yeah, marginalized times two. And um, it really sort of makes me think that, you know, we really got to be building our allyship. We really need to be building our community and not just setting boundaries that just Filipinos, right? And so, and, and one way that I do it is because, you know, I work on a campus at Honolulu Community College where we have a high amount of Filipinos, right? Um, Getting, uh, you know, I think many of the, the challenges, you know, why should a Filipino take a Hawaiian language class? You know, why shouldn't they um, is my question, right? And so I have actually a lot of Filipinos in my class. And um, one of the things that is they find most shocking is how similar the culture and especially the language of Hawaiian is to, is to uh, Filipino, right? So we have term in, Fil- in Hawaiian, like maka. Right, which means I. And in Filipino, it's mata, right? Um, when you look at the indigenous people of the Philippines, they look very similar to uh, other Pacific Islanders, right? And so one of the things that I tell my, those students is we were, you know, Hawaiians, Filipinos, on the, the rest of the people of the Pacific. We were, we're all related. We're all cousins, right? Somewhere down the line, our ancestors were on the same canoe together, right? Our ancestors were on the same ba'a, the same canoe together. Some of them decided to stay in the Philippines. Others decided to, to jump on that canoe and go forward, right? And so we're cousins, we're related, right? And we know this through our stories and through our, um, our, our language. And this is why Filipinos in Hawaii should take Hawaiian, is because learning Hawaiian is also learning about who you are. Yeah, it's also reaffirming that identity. Yeah. I, I think I got chicken skins from the moment that you shared that because I felt that was really important. And um, one thing that I wanted to kind of bring up along with the conversation is um, we, hear, we hear it a lot, um, especially with many discussion about when it comes to identity, should Filipinos identify as Pacific Islanders? Um, so many discussions along with that, um, and I think if with the right, with the right work, with the right kind of discussions, um, and I think this is important to kind of bring up alongside is um, with 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 what you asked, should Filipinos be taking Hawaiian languages, especially? if it's offered i think that's actually a really great a really great thing to ask because being filipino being filipino and especially a lot of people might immigrate to hawaii some some are not aware of the history uh, and it can be kind of um a gap and i think with what you have shared um, i think it's an it's an important something important to kind of bring it forward for those who have not learned anything about the Hawaiian language and culture. Right, absolutely. And you know, everybody should learn Hawaiian, especially if you live in Hawaii, right? Whether you're Hawaiian or not, Hawaii is your home, right? For whether it's for a lifetime or just for a few years. But I think because this place has become so colonized, we sort of forget that that duty that we have to that place to learn the stories and the language of this place, right? And so, a lot of people don't know is that when people when, when um, during the kingdom era era when um, uh, you know the Chinese, the Filipino, the Japanese immigrants moved here, they learned Hawaiian. Why? Because Hawaiian was the language of communication here, right? So you don't go to Paris, you don't go to France, and you demand to speak English. Because that's Paris. You speak French. You go to their territory. You speak French, right? If you don't want to speak French, don't go there, right? And so uh, it's sort of really almost disrespectful for for people to come here and demand to speak English when 
Hawaiian is the language of this place. Hawaiian and English, right? And then so our ancestors knew that, right? So which is the reason why my Filipino grandparents, right, on my dad's side learned Hawaiian, right? And especially if you want to marry a Hawaiian woman, he had to learn Hawaiian, right? And it's so the same thing with, with, the, with the Philippines too, right? You don't go to the Philippines and demand to only speak English, right? If you don't want to, then don't go there, right? Um, but also back on that discussion about Pacific Islanders, um, kind of a short story. Um, I got into this huge argument with this with this woman who really wanted to, really was adamant that Filipinos are not Pacific Islanders. And I was like, well, obviously you know nothing because first of all, the Philippines is an island. Where is it? In the Pacific. That's Pacific Islands, right? Secondly, culturally, right? Language, the stories, we know that that is that's very similar to the other Pacific Islanders. But my bigger point to this is terms like that, Pacific Islanders, Asian, um, Polynesian, Micronesian, Melanesian, are not culturally our terms, right? It's not our, we wouldn't call ourselves as Hawaiians, right? Polynesians, right? Because those are lines of segregation that was put up by who? Not us, right? By the quote unquote West. Right from the people of the West, the Americans, the Europeans, and whatnot. Right, so those those lines, those terms, are are not our terms. Right, those are terms that were used against us to keep us apart. Right, so when we rid ourselves from, away from those terms like Pacific Islanders, right, and we think of ourselves as people of the ocean, right, people of the, uh, of the water, right, then we start to see that it's not the it's not the ocean that separates us. It's the ocean that connects us, right? And so that's how I know that Hawaiians and Filipinos are cousins. It's because it's the ocean that is connecting us, right? It's not separating us. Don't We shouldn't let those terms like Asian, Pacific Islander, Polynesian keep us apart, right? We know in ourselves that we are, we are related and we are family. So... If anybody wants to say, oh, yeah, Filipinos are not Pacific Islanders, they can come talk to me about it, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think that's a, a pretty much good, dis- a pretty much good um, discussion right there. And I think um, an explanation, I mean, um, because I go into social media and I see this a lot of discussion and a lot of havoc and it... It, it kind of separates so many people that have this also like kind of like crisis into understanding like who is Filipino and what is and I think you are right I think it is a term that I think people put it put certain terms that separates us and creates arguments when it should be how can how is about like getting to know their story and where they kind of um identify themselves um, in terms of your family language absolutely yeah definitely and kind of like moving on to the next section of the podcast is have you actually personally struggled with embracing your own cultural identity and i think you briefly mentioned it you know i would say overall no but um when i when I started to learn more about the, in the, the ways in which, um, I, you know, in a time in our history, and, you know, some people will argue that it still continues today, that, that Filipinos are often looked down on, upon, right? In sort of this, um, I would say in the, in the hierarchy of, of, of quote-unquote Asians, right? Asian Pacific Islanders, Filipinos may sometimes be viewed by some people on the lower part of that list, right? And so... And again, I was young and I was a kid. And so at that, you know, and at one point I felt kind of weird about it. I was like, oh, you know, that's, a, that's kind of weird. But as I said, I didn't understand why. And so um, again, but learning more about that, learning more about the Hawaiian side really made me understand um, the, the way and, you know, the reason why in which people would say those types of things. So I'd say overall, you know, I didn't necessarily struggle. Um, I mean, maybe at a part where you know um in terms of food right i guess you could say that um 
you know, Filipino food is good, but I really, really like good Italian food. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say that I, you know, that's that's a struggle or something. You know, it's a sit, that's something super silly. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say overall that there was this sort of large sort of turmoil in myself about being Filipino, right? And it's because I had this really awesome upbringing at home and in school that had made me embrace the two. I don't find it to be an issue, at least for me, right? Other people may have issues with it, but that's their issue. You know what I mean? And I think with with that kind of like said, it's um coming that said on, um, especially with um, the upbringing that you have and being a third generation from your mother's side and also fourth, fifth, generation from your father's side but still having this kind of like deep connection to your culture is what made you the person that you are today and I think one thing that I want to kind of like I guess an an add-on to the question with itself with your story is do you have any any intersectionality of identity? No, that's a good one. You know, when we talk about intersection, we talk about where where um, things meet and then go apart and then maybe meet again and then go apart. But when I think about my identity, right, I don't think about it as something that is that is a convergence that then goes away. You know, that, that spreads apart, right? It's not that I have multiple identities, right? It's more so I... I see it as like an interweaving of, of a single identity, right? That is created because of my ancestors. Right? So as I said, um, who I am, I, I'm a total sum of all of my ancestors, right? All of them and everything that, that and their experiences and things that they bring, uh, things that they, um, they, they, they've added to the world. And, for me, again, it's not necessarily that, um, you know, I wake up today and I put on a shirt that's my, my Filipino ethnic shirt. And I'm going to be Filipino, ethnically Filipino today or, or Hawaiian, right? So I don't know if it's, an, for me, an intersection, but more so just kind of like a mailele or a tirifle where it's, it, it's a single mass, but it's, a wo- it's woven of many pieces together. I would say, yeah. So I would say, I don't know. I don't. I have no idea if that answers your question at all. That's totally left field. But um, it's more so for me a single identity of, of 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 several total sums coming together as one. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to I wanted to add that add that add that term on because um, as we kind of like evolve into generations, we. Can, come to learn about our own intersectionalities especially with the different environments that we are planted on and i think that goes to also show that um being filipinos and hawaii being filipino hawaiian um like you um it's not lifting one identity over the other but it's how can i how can each of my two cultures complement each other how can i make each other by you by kind of interweaving each other work together exactly exactly so it's not about you know being a understanding and learning how to be a hawaiian in the 21st century it's not about understanding about being a filipino in the 21st century for me and my personal story right and for my my children to come it's about understanding how to be a hawaiian and filipino in the 21st century and beyond right so it's not like again it's not like i i I wake up and you know put on different hats about you know who who i want to be today it's about embracing the both both of them not putting one on the side to allow the other one to be in the light right it's about making sure that both are highlighted so i you know i you know i i I, that's for me that's i think that's where i I, i'm at and if I may ask, actually, what continues to ground you 
um, especially? This is a really good question. I mean, there's so much. Um, particularly, um, I think there's 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 maybe two things. I think the first thing is really my ancestors, right? And you know, um, I've been doing a lot of um, more recently. I've been trying to record stories from my grandma, from all of my grandparents. But um, you know, uh, specifically, um, I with my with my, uh, my my mom's mom, so the Filipino grandma. So you know, recording different stories about her upbringing and coming here and. Um, I've been doing, I've been um, filming her um, cooking, right? Um, cooking ponce and shrimp and all these different things because, you know, those types of mem- memories are special. But listening to the stories that she has shared has really grounded me in um, the work that I do today, right? So as I shared, so my... Um, so my grandma told me this story um, that before she came to Hawaii, she had all of her things packed and ready to go. And the day before she was supposed to come, she got robbed and they took everything, uh, all of her money. So she came to Hawaii with nothing, zero money. Um, luckily, right, we had, um, so my, my, my grandfather was living here already. And so and he was he was doing quite well working on the ranch with Parker Ranch. So, um, but anyway, so she, my grandma was is probably one of the most independent women I know. But so she um, she built really her empire, right, by working three jobs and you know doing all these different things and um, to where she was able again to to buy two houses, not one, but two houses, right? And she was in the market for a third and fourth house. Um, and it's really because she she said she did these things again for us, right? So that particular story, along with all the other stories of my other grandparents, right? Um, really is what drives me and grounds me today, right? Because the second thing that grounds me is again, thinking about the generation that is to come next and those seven generations from now. So it, it is because people like my grandma, who was not thinking about, oh, what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna get for myself now, she was thinking about, I'm gonna get this house. So my kids and my, grandpa- my grandkids and so on and so forth, they have a place to live. They have, they have you know, they, they're financially secure. They have lemons that grow on the tree. They have green onion in the back if they need they have all of these things right not because for for them at that current time they're thinking about us so again what grounds me is is thinking about the future generations to come right what am i going to do today to make sure that they're secure in the future right and that is really highlighted because of the work that my grandparents have all and that's a beautiful way to put out and transition into my next section and that this is part of the podcast is what does it mean for you to reclaim your own Filipino and Hawaiian identity? Mm. Uh, well, um, this idea of, of, of reclaiming is, is um, you know, it, it's, it's a lengthy discussion and we can go in so many different ways. Um, you know, it can be something like reclaim is like something that was once gone, right? And then you're going to keep and you're going to cherish it and you're going to maybe put it on a shelf and let nobody touch it, right? Because you once lost it and you don't ever want it to go again, right? So there, there's that sort of maybe face of what reclamation is. But I think there's also this idea of that when you get it, you share it again. Yeah, so it is never lost, right? When you have access to it, you spread it out as much as possible. So you never need to reclaim it again, right? So I think for me, what that means is, for me, I, I, I think I go more with the latter, right? That I don't want to reclaim my Filipino and just put it on a shelf and say, okay, it's good, it's secure, I got it. No one's ever going to touch it again, right? But it's more so really um, making sure that me and my descendants are as okay and as firm in that Filipino Hawaiian identity 
as I am today, right? And I do that by sharing it and do that by, um, by recording and passing on those stories, right? And so for me, the main reason why I like to, I, I want to record my grandma cooking panse is because, you know, in, 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 in 50 years from now, I want my grandparents to be able, uh, my grandkids, sorry, to be able to experience my grandma, yeah, to experience their grandma, right? through hearing her voice, seeing her laugh, you know, um, putting in a little bit of patisse here, you know, tasting it there, talking about her stories, right? And I also want her them to be able to enjoy their her food and remember and know her through that experience, right? So for me, I think that's really kind of what a physical manifestation of reclaiming my Filipino identity is is that there's this sort of continuance and connection of who, um, who my grandparents are because it, it's because of them that made me, right? And of course, my parents and whatnot and stuff like that. But, you know, um, I think about this, this, um, this, this proverb, this Hawaiian proverb that we have um, and I actually just learned a new one in a meeting just before this that is very relevant to this same um, this conversation. So the the Oleonoeo, um, both of them have uh, are similar. Um, so the first one goes Oye inanamayana no namaka, um, and the second one goes Oye kaaka namaka. So both of them sort of talk about um, while the the eyes are still are watching or while the eyes are still rolling. And so this, this proverb is really talking about um, learn all that we can while our, our ancestors are still alive, right? So while the eyes of our ancestors are still around, they're still moving, they're still watching, they're still, you know, there, you know, get all of that knowledge, as much knowledge as we can, so we can continue those stories and be firm in where we've come from, right? To know who we are is to know where we come from, right? So I think for me, that is part of, what, part of that reclamation and ensuring that my children and their grandchildren don't need to reclaim anything, that they're already firm in this. Okay, so in continuation, um, I think I may need um, to, to see the proverb again. Um, because it was beautifully well said. And I think when you were explaining um, what it meant and like, it just felt like it aligned so well, so well with also um, one thing I learned um, from, the, from, from the spaces I was joined in into um, Philippine history about um, no history, no self. And I think that kind of inter with each other, um, especially with being able to just re, like continue to keep um, learning the generational strength of our ancestors and, and what made them who they were. Um, I think I just wanted to kind of like briefly add that on as well. So first off, so I did put the, um, uh, I, I, I put the, the Olaonoeo in that document. I, I, I'll write a little bit more what they mean. So these are the proverbs, right? And, you know, um, I think there is this sort of, you know, again, for culturally, right, we get, we, there's this idea that we, um, we take care of our, our, our ancestors, right? We take care of our, our, our elders. And so this idea, you know, and it's, I mean, it sucks, uh, but I think that, you know, that we also live in a society that's starting to put our, our ancestors, our, our elders into other people's care, right? You know, um, but when that happens, you know, we, that no longer do we see their eyes moving, right? And I think that's part of our responsibility as, uh, as their, um, as their descendants to, to not only care for them, but also record their, their stories, right? So as I said, so in, in that, right, that is a method of reclaiming 
we are. It's not maybe not necessarily reclaiming, but it's just claiming who we are, so we do not forget it, right? But I mean, literally, this can be a whole another like five hour conversation just about about that in itself. But you know that for me that that's the importance is that and. Also, in, in, in my family, I'm, I'm trying to impress on that, you know, I, I don't want to be the only knowledge keeper of these types of things, right? And so when I've had, when I did these interviews with my, my, my grandma, uh, with, my, uh, right, with my grandmother and things like that, I'd make sure that I would have at least uh, one or two of my siblings or my cousin around so they also get these stories because these stories are not just for me, right? These stories are for all of us right you are you it's it's just it's it's you know it's just as important to you as it is to me right so all of us basically in continuation with that um i think or in, yeah in addition to that as well i feel like with the the question within itself when i first started um these questions and first started with a name i didn't know what to name the podcast at first because there's so many things it's up because it's just there's so many conversations but reclaim your filipina identity that one stick the most because i think before we were so ashamed of even talking about and saying that we identify as this but now let's be like as as I saw people becoming more accepting or accepting of their culture, I think this idea of reclamation, um, like what you mentioned, is beginning to come back again. People are starting to appreciate the culture that they're in. Right, right, right. You know, and I'm wondering, like, I mean, <clears throat> who's reclamation for? Right. I mean, when I think about my grandma, does my grandma need to reclaim anything? I mean, I don't think so. It's. It, I think it's for us. Right. When I talk about when I say us, I mean like our generation. Right. The generation that that grew up, that that lives in a society um, that's different than the than the, the time and the era in which our grandparents lived in our age. Right. And so, um, you know, I'm thinking about the idea of reclaiming or or even just claiming right um you know that idea that you know our, our grandparents are still around and they have they, they they that's their identity and they are offering it to us so it's not that we got to go reclaim it we just need to go and get it we need to go claim it right because maybe we that we've never had it right and it's they they have it there it's almost kind of like here come get it here it is here it is you know their grandparents are offering it to us, right? So we need to go to them to claim it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but it's playing all those words. Words are for me, I mean, I, as as a Hawaiian language teacher, right? Words, individual words are very important and the ways that they're used and how they're said and what it means. Um, you know. I'm- to kind of like moving on to the next section and the last section of the podcast which is what is your or actually before we move on to the next question something came up again um that will kind of be the last part of the section before we move on to the next section is um i think that was beautifully well said i think you i think you you mentioned it really well that what we are reclaiming is simply our as our ancestors and our grandparents, um, what they went, what they have gone, what what they what they have experienced, and it's really um, reliving it and being uh, and being it with all the things that we're learning today because there's so much knowledge. Right, right. You know, and um, I would like to mention something there. Um, <clears throat> you, you know, and I. This again, so I, I've, I've mentioned that our, my, my grandparents are, are what grounds me, right? And the future is what grounds me. And so, um, one of the classes that I teach is, a, is Hawaiian 110, um, and it looks at the, the sort of 
history of Hawaii's languages. And so talking about Hawaiian language and pidgin and, you know, all the different languages that are spoken in Hawaii. And we um, sort of use um, different people's experiences around the world to, to make comparisons. And so one of them is the story of Marie Wilcox. Um, and so Marie Wilcox is the, um, she is the last speaker of Wukchumi. And her, her story literally makes, my, makes me ball cry because she, she talks about how she is, she's literally the last speaker of this language. And she is right. She was, uh, she passed away, um, I think last year and she was writing a dictionary and she was starting to teach classes. And she was saying, you know, um, I, I'm doing this and I just hope somebody will pick this up and, and, and um, want to continue my language because if not, my language is gone. And when I think about that, you know, that's exactly our experiences of our grandparents, right? They're sitting there, they're thinking, you know, I, I hope one day somebody will pick up this language or somebody want to learn how to make this food or want to know this piece of information that I know or want to know my story, right? So I'm not forgotten when I, when I pass, right? And so that story of Marie Wilcox, again, makes me, makes me bawl my eyes off because we see, it's like we're seeing something disappear right in front of our eyes, right? And so, as I said, while the eyes are still watching, it's our responsibility and our duty to make sure that, um, that those, the stories of those eyes are recorded and told, Right? that's our responsibility i think that for us that's how we claim it yeah um so it can it can be um you know as filipinos that we we continue those that identity those stories those traditions those feelings i think to kind of like dive into the next section and the last section of today's podcast episode is um what is something that you would want to leave leave to the listeners who will be listening to this and will be listening. So I think I have a couple of things. So I'm talking directly to you guys who are listening to this. So first off, Mahalo Nui for listening. Thank you so much for taking some time and listening uh, to me talk about just my experiences and things like that. Um, So I really appreciate that. I think the the first thing is one, take a Hawaiian language class. Um, I teach Hawaiian language at Honolulu Community College. Um, And again, you, because Hawaii is your home, right? You you live here. You have that responsibility. So I think that's one one of course, and you know that's my little bit selfishness of uh, of um, of promoting <laughs> my courses on campus. So one, take a Hawaiian language class. Uh, if you thought this podcast was fun, you thought this podcast was great. Uh, if you like listening to 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 me, take that class. Um, but I think on a more serious and a more important note. I've said it several times throughout this. I think that um, what we all need to be doing, we all need to be getting a recorder. We need to get a camera. uh, And we need to just sit with our grandparents and our parents and just talk stories with them, right? Ask them about their, how it was growing up. Ask them what their favorite music is. Ask them what their favorite food is, right? Get those stories down, right? Because that will just reaffirm who you are today and it will help reaffirm who your kid who your kids right those seven generations from now will be so and nobody has any excuse oh i don't have a i don't have a camera i don't have a recorder um everyone's smartphone has a a camera on it everyone's smartphone has a recording app on it right and it's so easy to just do that don't even need to tell your grandparents that you're recording. Just throw it on because I think they get nervous. Yeah, they know that they're you're you're being recorded. But I think you know at the end, those stories are, are so important to really ground us of and understanding who we are. Yeah, as a people, uh, as a culture, as a race. Yeah, and who we will be as as, as contemporary people in this in this century. I think that was a really good advice, especially. For those who will be listening and is, is listening and will be continuing to keep listening to it, because um, 
with this generation that is very tech savvy, who is all on Instagram, TikTok, all of this social media, I don't know, whatever more social media they'll be there in the future, has so many access. And I think using it for the right reasons, which is um, documenting our family history, documenting this, it will help continue um, our, our Kids family. are so good. My younger siblings are in high school right now. It's amazing what they can do on their phone. Like literally, they can, I, you know, they can just create all these videos. And and literally, so what I did is I assigned my siblings and my younger cousin. Okay, you guys are in charge of recording and editing, right? So sometimes it takes like the older siblings to just say, okay, you're doing this, you're doing this, right? And so one day they'll see and understand why it's so important for them to do it. But but yeah, anyway, mahalo everybody for listening <laughs> to to that. <laughs> Of course, and I think this kind of ends the podcast really well. And um, as we, as as this podcast episode will be released in the next year, um, which will be twenty twenty two, I know that there's going to be so many um, new things to come. Yeah, twenty twenty two is the, hopefully is looking a lot better. But mahalo, <laughs> mahalo for this time. Thank you so much. <laughs>